Welcome to Bitchwick, a New York-based dating podcast where I, your host Mitchie, and my guests explore the complicated, fun, magical, and sometimes just downright fucked aspects of dating in New York City. Look, we've all had bad dates, but it's so much more fun to share our bad dating stories than to wallow in them by ourselves. So join me for today's segment, Taking the L, where I have guests share their worst dating experiences in New York City. Sharing with us today is Tara Hrani, TikToker, model, and newest addition to the cast of Grownish. So thank you, Tara, for coming on to today's podcast episode. So when you think about your dating life in New York City, what are some words that come up for you? Magical. Because of my now very long-term committed, lovely relationship. Before that, I would say demonic. Really? And ghostery okay strong words We're strong. Strong. <laughs> strong words strong <laughs> this is perfect for the month of october yeah yeah spooky would be a great word to describe it i mean i'm glad that you use words like magical i mean those are very different and that's like such a split such a 50 50 split what were some of like the worst dates that you've been on in New York City that made you feel like they were demonic or <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, one of my worst dates was let me set the scene for you. My friend who is a fashion designer was sh- was throwing a pop-up shop on the lower east side for her line, beautiful day, just filled with community. A lot of my friends are other brown and black queer people. We definitely have a sense of community and showing up for each other, showing up for each other's art and shows, whatever type of show that might be. So, you know, my my core sort of friend group was there. We were having a blast. We spent the whole day there. A couple other sort of like ancillary friend groups pulled up, you know, people that you kind of see at parties and events um, who, who I would consider part of my community. And there was this one girl, woman, I don't, I feel like, I don't know whether I call myself a girl or a woman lately. It's kind of like, I don't know, but I'm also like, I don't really identify as either of those things. So whatever, but you don't want to be perceived. I don't, yeah, I don't want to be perceived. I have no gender. Anyways, this girl, uh, who's really cute. She chats me up for a little while and I definitely like seen her around. And then she's, she's pretty forward. Usually with women, like I'm the more forward one. And she was really forward. She asked me out. She got my number. She got my Instagram. Um, and she asked me out for like later that day once the pop-up is over. And I'm like, great. Or maybe it was the next day because the pop-up was like three days. Anyways, in the evening, one of the days. And I'm mm-hmm. like, amazing. So I go home. I get ready. And then 
I pull up to the Dumbo, what is it? The Brooklyn Bridge Park, the Dumbo Bridge Park, whatever. Yeah, Brooklyn Bridge right. Park. It's <laughs> and which it's, you see Manhattan. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. The under the overpass. And I'm so excited. And I can see as I've been getting there, you know, like you text updates like, hey, on my way, or like, hey, I'm here. And mind you, the Dumbo motherfucking park is a bitch to get to. Oh, it, it is. is a fucking bitch to get to. So like, but I'm excited because I'm going on a date. She's so pretty and she's so cool. Um, And I and she has red receipts on. So I, I can see she read my text that I'm like, hey, on my way, mm-hmm. getting off the train. And then I'm like, I'm here. And she's read all my texts. No response. No <gasps> response. No response. She's watched my stories from the day on Instagram because what? we are Instagram friends. She literally never shows up. I wait an hour. I think I waited a little more than an hour. I waited till like the sun went down. It was summertime, so that was quite a bit. Um, and then I took my ass home, and I was sad. I was like humiliated. I've actually never been stood up before. I don't know if that's like a flex. I actually don't know how often one is supposed to get stood up in this life. But that I think was... one is enough. <laughs> I think one, one is enough. One is enough. It was. It was enough. It's enough. It was. I'd never been stood up after that, luckily. I think I would actually punch a wall or something. Like, I would be, I would be, like, masculine upset, you know? Anyway, so I go home, whatever. I go hang out with my friends. It's fine. I'm a little, I'm a little hurt. She continues to watch my stories for, like, weeks. I go to this party at, I forget where, but then I see her because like my friend groups at this party, her friend groups at this party, and we have links between the groups. And I look at her and I'm like, I make like intense direct eye contact because I'm like, you owe me an explanation, but I'm not going to ask for one out loud because I'm a pussy. So I make direct <laughs> intense eye contact with her and she literally looks me up and down like, and but not in like the mean way, like in a, I don't know you. Why are you looking at me? And then starts walking towards me and I'm like, oh, she's going to address me. And then just breezes right past me, like right next to me, like shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder. No. And I was like, wow, that was like getting stood up all over again. And then I'm pretty sure I saw her again at another party like the next month. But I just pretended that I didn't know her because I was like, you know what? You're done. You're done. I'm so sorry. It's enough that she stood you up. Add insult to injury. Like she was stalking your page. To only ghost you mm-hmm. and then the audacity to look you straight in the eye and be like, I'm sorry. I do not know this person. I don't know you. He keep like, you. You asked me out and then you stood me up in the same day. Like that. What's going through your mind, my guy? No, I'm so sorry. Okay. I survived. I'm a survivor. You're a survivor and now you're in a beautiful long-term relationship. Yeah, truly. I mean, thank you for sharing. You're so welcome. <laughs> But that's but what, what I mean by there's the magic of meeting people in New York and feeling connected to them. And it's so easy to meet people here. Like now that I've spent some time in LA, I, I can say that with my full chest, it is really hard to meet people in cities that aren't walkable and that are like more spread out and more segregated and stuff like that. But then at the same time, I think all the bad of my dating experience in New York was getting ghosted in some manner or like poor communication and just like some demons like she's a demon I'm sorry (laughs) she sounds like one I support you in this I don't need to hear her side of the story I fully support you I fully support you 
Um, I don't care if you were going through something. You could have texted me. You could have texted you. And also, I feel like the breakdown of communication is such a big thing when it comes to dating. I think that's why I don't like when I'm dating someone or I go on a date with someone to actually have them follow me online. Because I think a lot of times people want access to you without fully committing to you. Yeah. And I and I think that's what's weird about dating like in this day and age. I've been ghosted by people or I've had I've had people that were flaky and non-committal, but I see them look at my stuff all the time and I'm like this is so uncomfortable to the point where I've blocked them. Yeah. Cuz I'm like I'm so I'm quick to block. Quick to block. <laughs> I love blocking people. It's so good. So I think good. blocking Blocking people gets a bad rep. It I think really some does. people really think that it's like, oh, you know, um, it's not that deep. But I'm like, no, it is that deep. It's my mental health. and It's boundaries. It's literally boundaries. And, like, you don't owe your access to your life to literally anyone at all ever. Even, like, your best friend or your mom or whatever. Like, you don't. Yeah, you really don't. So... I know that um, you said, like, I mean, earlier we talked about how um, New York, outside of the recording, has been monumental in terms of, like, your queer dating life after you got stood up (laughs) by this person. How did you recover? Because now you're in a loving relationship with your girlfriend. Yeah. I think one biggest thing is being surrounded by community um for me that was like meeting a lot of other desi or indian um artist queers where a lot of us have really similar similar backgrounds or similar values or just similar lifestyles i don't know we're not all similar like we're definitely not a monolith but meeting those people just gave me a lot of um confidence and support that i think i needed like going into dating at all I think you always need your your guys behind you who are gonna support you because dating is hard no matter where you are and no matter how old you are um I also think that because of New York like there's just a bigger there's just a bigger amount of queer people to date and therefore it's easier to meet them also again we live in a walkable city like at at least like in your 20s or at least in my life in my 20s I was very out and about like meeting people I had a lot of friends who were also meeting people inviting us to events so it felt really easy to meet a lot of people and to just like try a lot of different types of people out like when I look at the list of women that I've dated like they're so like they're so all so interesting and they all come from such different walks of life different careers and different vibes and I think that's a lot harder to do in a place like my hometown for example where first of all like I'm from a small town in the midwest so like first of all there's like only a few queer people and then like I don't know everyone works in real estate I don't even know what people do in my small town I'm not gonna lie I left it very long time ago but Yeah, I think in New York, just being able to date other people like you, like dating other Desi lesbians, other Desi queer people, um, outside of just having friends, friendship in that community, like that was, that's also been like a really eye-opening experience for me. 
and something that again like I wouldn't be able to do in my small town or um in a lot of other places so and just like walking outside here when you're gay it doesn't feel aggressive I've never been hate crime for being gay but sometimes when you're walking in like other states or other cities you just you feel that sort of like aggressive gaze and you're like oh you like unclasp you you know you you unhold your hands or you kind of like you know, you, you stand up a little straighter because you're nervous. And um, I don't ever want to have to do that. I don't like doing that. I don't think anyone wants to do that. No. So, yeah, I like that about New York as well. But I would really just say the ease of flow of people here and and community have made dating, I think, way less brutal than it would be anywhere else what really stood out for me is like when you dated like other Desi people, like that was really magical for you. And I think I feel that in a sense of like when I've dated other um, Latino people or like Latinx people and met them and like BIPOC people and meeting them in like the spaces has really been monumental in the sense of the way that you can build community in New York City, especially your queer community, because it does feel like family here. And yeah. because everything is walkable, you're able to really hone in on your community. And that's something that I really love, even though maybe um, <laughs> um, there might be some ghosts lingering in the community. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we're also family. And I think that's like really important to remember. Yeah, definitely. And like you can I think what's more common in the queer community, too, than the straight community is like if it doesn't work out with someone or let's say you go on a date and you're like, Oh, this person kind of feels like more of a friend. It's a lot easier to transition them into an actual friend. Like, Oh, I just like you as a person and we can be friends or I'll see you around or you should be friends with my other friend. You know, I feel like it's way easier to do that in our community. And that's something I really value. Yeah. Um, me and my friends joke that to befriend someone when they're also queer, you have to date them first. Mm, maybe my friends aren't as toxic as yours but yeah I, I hear you <laughs> Ooh. I mean you know what my friends are not going to be offended by that statement no I, I love it I, lo- I honestly need more toxic friends <clears throat> all my friends are like so pure uh, my friends are pure but I think it's more like they're just messy I don't know if they're, they're messy. Toxic. Yeah, they're I need messy. messy friends. I need messy friends. You're right. That's a really good. That's a really good distinction. <laughs> just you know, just spend a little more time in LA. Yeah, um, honestly. Dip back into Bushwick. Go to dip the woods back. on a Wednesday. You know what? That's really it. Is I left Bushwick and I live in a place that I never imagined myself living. I happened to get like a really good deal because it was a really old lease in a neighborhood that like I like I thought I was gonna have to be in Bushwick for a long time just financially like I can't really afford that much else and then there's people there there's parties there I was like okay this is like my home for the next 10 years but I happened to get this deal last year when I was trying to move love my apartment but I've sort of adopted the like now I feel like I'm like a woman with children like I'm oh I'm like so responsible I'm so clean I'm so neat like the Bushwick in me got like squeegeed out by the cleanliness and the probably I don't even know the like bougie energy of my new neighborhood I mean I love that for you you're established Settled. I'm established. Established. Settled. And settled. I'm feeling um, very settled. 
I've lived in a lot of different places in Brooklyn, and I definitely think that every place has its own energy. Um, yeah. Like, I used to live right outside um, Prospect Park, mm. like right outside the park. I would drop off my laundry to get done, you know? Like I PLG? Was, yeah, like, yeah, in PL, yeah, in PLG, and, like, you know, and I would, like, take strolls in the park. I'm like, who am I? Right. Taking a stroll is very different than, like, going to Maria Hernandez. <laughs> yeah. Two different things. It's two it's way two different things. Like to stroll in Prospect Park and like to sob. probably hit a blunt like probably hit a blunt. Yeah. Like, Maria to Hernandez. Sob over a blunt in Maria Hernandez. Yes. Two different yeah. activities. Yeah. Different different activities. Different different energies, different groups, you know? Yeah. Like so I understand. Oh my God. Well, do you have any um, dating advice for anyone who is in New York and struggling with dating or who is recovering from their own demons? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think I think a mistake that I made was so. Okay, hold on. Let me back up. You're going to make a lot of connections in your lifetime. I think as humans, as people who are interesting and engaging, we're going to make connections with people. And that will happen often, both with friends, as lovers, whatever. I think that not every connection, though, is meant to be a relationship. You can have a really great connection and then have a really poor relationship to each other. And that's a huge bummer. It sucks when that happens. I've had it happen in friendships. I think it was the case in all of my failed relationships before. So if I could look back and change something about what I did was I think when I would have an exciting connection, I would like see it through to the end, no matter what, no matter how much I was hurt or how bad I noticed that we were in relationship to each other. And I always give, used to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, oh, she she ghosted me once. But like, it's okay. Like, she's not going to do it again. Like, no, no, no. Like, now we're good. Like, I've hounded her down. We're back. We're hanging out. Yeah, oh, we're no. dating. Or like, she did something mean or, you know, whatever. So on and so forth is like, I think I wish I had just cut things off early. Like, damn, we do have a really great connection. And that's special. And that should be, it should be special. But If the person shows me red flags early, which usually they did, then you have to just clip it early. It kind of almost is a numbers game or not. I shouldn't say a numbers game. But like if you're wasting your time with people who suck and are bad at being in relationship with you, literally losing out on time that you could be meeting other people. And actually, this TikTok comes to mind that the straight woman made, unfortunately, but I agree with her. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So she was like, I used to be a real estate agent and I was at this new real estate office and I was just like heinously underperforming. And there was this one guy, let's call him John. John is top salesman every month. And I was literally performing so poorly month over month that I was on the chopping block because real estate is very cutthroat. And so she was like, I asked John, let's like sit down and I want to talk to you about what you're doing differently than me because like, what the frick? And John was like, I engage, you know, every potential client, they come to my email and I read any hesitancy in them that they're not ready to buy right now. That could be a slight comment. It can be like, there's a lot of different ways someone can show you that they're not ready to buy a house right now. 
he was like, if that happens, I just ghost. I never respond. I don't move on with them as a client. So what John was doing differently was that he was just moving forward with clients who were actually going to buy houses. So then he was closing like every fucking deal that he was engaging, whereas she was spending time on like every single client that hit her up, not realizing like, oh my God, they're showing me signs that they're just never going to buy a house. And then lo and behold, she spent like months with these clients and then they never buy a house. Very long analogy, but I feel like encapsulates what I was saying. You're going to connect with a lot of people and you just have to clip it early because you know when someone's not going to be a good relationship partner, like you know when they're bad at communication, there's a lot of things that you can know early. Like you should give people the chance to like better themselves. Like if there's like a fault in communication or something, be like, oh, like this didn't work for me. And like, I need a different style of communication or this is what works for me. And like that person will show you that they can A, listen to you and B, do the thing that you're asking. Mm-hmm. So, but if they're not doing that, then I'm like, just, just be done. Be gone. The relationship. On to the next. On to the next. On to the next. Yeah. I think that's oh. beautiful advice. There's so um, many people in town. So many people in this town, but also you don't have to prove to people um, that you deserve their time, ultimately. Mm-hmm. All right. But thank you so much, Tara, for coming Thanks on for to today's me. episode. Um, let's get lunch next time. Absolutely. Let's <laughs> hang out. Let's go party. Yes. Okay, great. Meet my messy friends. Okay, Slay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You can stream Grownish online, and to keep up with Tara, you can follow them at T A R A dot R A A N I. That's Tara Rani on Instagram. And you can also keep up with us on Instagram at Bitchwick Podcast. Goodbye.